10 years ago, AICC began a program that is now commonly referred to as the EL program, which stands for Emerging Leaders. We have Cassie Malone and Josh Sobel, who are our graduates now, I think, of the program and have been involved with AICC for a number of years now. So we're going to dig into younger professionals in the industry, the Emerging Leader Program, and some of the lessons learned. Welcome to Breaking Down Boxes. I'm Gene Marino with Acres Packaging. And I'm Joe Morelli with Houston Patterson and Lewisburg Printing Company. We have compelling conversations with successful entrepreneurs in the packaging space. Ten years ago, AICC began a program that is now commonly referred to as the EL program, which stands for Emerging Leaders. It, I guess it would be coming up this fall, would be our 10-year anniversary of the program. And it was a program that Mark Mathis started from Vanguard Packaging. And his vision at the time was to get more younger people involved in the business. And not just the business, but the organization, the industry. And so he put together a, a pretty robust program those first couple years of, of trying to just gather the, the future leaders of companies in one spot to learn from some of the industry leaders. And now a word from our sponsors. You know, when you think about focusing on something that's core to your business and just being really, really good at one thing, Oxbox comes to mind. Their business strategy is strength you can depend on, focusing on jumbo, large format boxes, and heavy-duty boxes. Now you can get the same Oxbox strength with weatherproof durability. Their new Echo Board boxes are incredibly strong and yet earth-friendly. Check them out at www.oxbox.com. So here we are. Uh, today we have Cassie Malone and Josh Sobel, who are our graduates now, I think, of the program and have been involved with AICC for a number of years now. So we're going to dig into younger professionals in the industry, the Emerging Leader Program, and maybe some of the lessons learned throughout their time uh, with the L program. So looking forward to it. Yeah, and as a shameless plug for AICC, I hope they both say that without the EL program, they don't believe their career would be where it is today. <laughs> so we'll just have to weave that in somehow as we go. So uh, welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. So Cassie, why don't tell tell us a little bit about Corrugated Supplies Company, just to, from a general perspective. So Corrugated Supplies is a we're a manufacturer and distributor of corrugated sheets. So we have eight sheet feeder operations and 11 corrugators throughout the country. And we also have a sister company, which is Alsip Mini Mill, and we make uh, recycled medium there as well. Excellent. Cassie, maybe you could get us started and um, just give us your background and uh, your career history and then how you first got involved in the program. I have a unique start to the industry. I didn't really know anything about this industry, I'll be completely honest, before I started other than why is my package taking so long to get here? <laughs> but That's fair. Really, I worked in a lot of different industries since I was 16. So I had a lot of different jobs simultaneously. I did anything from catering to serving, which I think everyone should do in their life. And I was a college professor. I worked in sports facilities as front desk management, event sales. So I had a lot of random jobs throughout the time. But getting into the corrugated industry was a bit more unique because I was working at a sports facility called Bo Jackson's Elite Sports Dome in Lockport, and I was their front desk manager. I was always building relationships with the parents and the kids that came in. They were all a lot of fun. And 
at a certain point, I had met the owner of Corrugated Supplies Company, John Potisnack. Anybody that knows John knows that he's very fun and has a big personality, so we would always joke around and things like that. But we had known each other for a while, and then I was working as an event sales manager at IPIC Theaters, and then I was also working at the Dome on the side as well just to make some extra money. And it was a really odd turn of events. So there was a random Sunday that I had covered for somebody. I'd picked up a shift for someone and I hadn't seen John in a long time. But his team or his kids team was actually practicing there at that time. And he was like, hey, how are you? How's the job going? Uh, Because he knew that I had been at IPIC. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really bored (laughs) and I'm constantly just looking for stuff to do and to fill my time because Not so many people really want to have events at movie theaters, except for 16-year-old birthday parties. (laughs) And he said, hey, if you're ever interested and when you're serious, send me your resume. And I just laughed it off. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, sounds good. And then one day I just figured, hey, why not? So I sent in my resume and went through the whole interview process and got hired in as a customer service rep at Corrugated Supplies. And it was really a great experience. I remember on one of my first interviews, We were on the catwalk and I was getting a tour just looking at the whole facility, the corrugators, the production, the lines, the shipping, and just being in awe. I had never seen anything like that before. All of what I had worked in was mostly service and intangible. So to see something actually getting created was really powerful. And I had so many questions and I was probably so annoying and I still (laughs) am, but it was just really cool to see. And once I got hired in, As a customer service rep, I started with our Conyers Facility Sheet customers, which is right outside of Atlanta, and have a lot to learn because I'm completely green. And I remember specifically a time within the first week where I had sent an email on a quality concern that was, hey, we've got 440 units that we're returning. This customer, it's bad sheets. And the director of quality called me up right away and he's, 440 units, what are you talking about? And I was like, like sheets. And it was right then and there that I learned that sheets and units are different. So it's just little things like that I had no idea about. So I worked with a lot of helpful people and everyone in my company was just so warm and welcoming and always honored all of my questions. So I got to learn a little bit about all of the different facets of our company. And in that, I grew throughout the years. AICC, we'll get to that, was obviously a huge help in that as well. But Really, overall, as things grew, my current role now, I'm a director of customer experience. So in 10 years, that's when I started 10 years ago. And when I started, we had four facilities and five corrugators. So now, fast forward 10 years, we're at eight facilities and 11 corrugators. So we've seen tremendous growth throughout the last 10 years, and I've gotten to be a part of all of that. I've learned how to think more strategically because our ownership and leaders that I have, my boss, And then just our company as a whole has really challenged us to think strategically and have to problem solve. Going through several startups and things like that have made it just a unique way to learn on the fly, which I think is the best way to learn. We'll get into a lot of the the growth and your personal and professional growth. But when you who was it that pushed you into the Emerging Leader Program and, and what point of your career were you at that time? I had gone to a first AICC event in 2016 where I didn't know anyone, a soul, other than my boss, Sean Delahanty, who went with me. And we went and I had gone to that opening night reception. And I was like, okay, I am going to at least meet my goal is 10 people. 
And when I walked into that opening night reception, oh my gosh, you guys know how it is. It was like a sea of people and just, it was overwhelming. Uh, I did meet 10 people, 10 very nice people that, you know, I would just walk up to people and introduce myself. And <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, it was intimidating, but it was fun. Uh, a lot of them were very welcoming and just happy to share about the industry and about their time in it. So that was good to learn and just to listen. And from there, after that experience, it was basically like, okay, how can we make this more valuable? And one of Sean's mentors had actually told him, hey, you should have her check out Emerging Leaders. So I did some research on it and I put together this whole proposal of why it would be beneficial for me to be a part of it. And I sent it to Sean, John Jr. and John Sr. And they were so supportive of it. And we're like, go for it. You're, you're going to learn a lot. Just go after it. And so I emailed Virginia and was just like, hey, how can I get in this thing? Here's my application. And since then. That's so. pretty neat. Mm -hmm. What early on when you came in, like you had described that story of early quality issue. I think a lot of us struggle with structured training programs for new hires. And I would say 10 years ago with the growth that Corrugated Supplies has experienced that probably was like the rest of us. Who who do you who did you lean on? Who was really the most impactful to help develop you early on in your career? Definitely my boss, Sean. He always pushed me to learn more, to try to understand and look at things differently, which was great. But then also a lot of the people that I was working closely with side by side. I had Marie McDowell. She was my mentor at the time as well and who I came on and was just learning everything from. So that was super helpful. I think I still have like nightmares about it, but <laughs> Sean's, he's just instilled in me this thought process of what is the value? Always make sure that you're explaining the value in whatever you're doing. So it's really pushed me to think differently and problem solve. And as I've grown, I think the biggest thing was just crafting relationships with customers. And so I was learning from all of them as well, which was huge because I think that's the most fun part of my role. I get to, I get the opportunity to talk to different people and learn about their operations, learn about their struggles and what's giving them pain points. So then we work together to craft solutions. And that's just taking it from that perspective has been the most fun because you're working together to brainstorm different solutions and then we're supporting their growth in that too. So we're growing together and learning together. Actually, you guys are familiar with Casey Shaw. He's one of the first people that I met both in the Emerging Leaders Program and just in the industry. And he's still a very close friend of mine. He's somebody that I can go to for advice all the time and just growing through customers and people that you're working with side by side. That's great. That's fantastic. We'll swing it over to Josh Sobel and uh, Jamestown Container. But Josh has had uh, a good career in, in the industry. Why don't you take us from the beginning? All right. So my history is a little bit different. I was fortunate enough to grow up in the industry. My grandfather had a business for 80 plus years in the Cleveland market, started it with his father when he was very young. And then my father went into it along with his brothers. And then in turn, I went into it. But you didn't have much choice, did you, Josh? It was, yeah, you got two choices. It's in you his blood. Unemployed or coming to the box business. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. But I really wasn't sure early on. When, when I was really young, used to go into the office, mess up all their copy paper and tear apart the stock room. And so I don't think I was very well respected as a, <laughs> as a young kid in the office. But so that, that's my first memories of it, going in with my dad on Saturdays or in the summers during the week, he would take me in. Or if I had a day off school, I would spend the day there with him. And so growing up, I got to see the business firsthand and what it did for him and for our families. And, Could you uh, at that time 
like want to go into the business or was it, were you looking around at the time like, man, I want to do something? So at this time I'm, I, I was probably seven, eight, nine years old. So yeah, I think it looked great. You, your family owns a business, sure. you're probably going to want to go into it. But I really wasn't sure. In, in high school, I started working in the plant, uh, tailed off on a flexo, on our small flexo to start, and then tailed off on the corrugator, which was much tougher work. Yeah. That tears apart your hands. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, <laughs> that was not I'll fun. give you some appreciation uh, for what goes on in your plant. Exactly. And waking up at 6 a.m. when I was on summer break was not something I was really interested in. I did that for a month or two during the summer, and then every summer religiously told my dad, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I got to have the rest of my summer to to myself. And he was fine with that and respectful of that. And uh, So then I went away to college, went to Toledo to start. Well, you um, should have stayed. You should never have transferred to that <laughs> other school, by the way. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, well, I, I got immediately involved in a fraternity, uh, moved into the into the house and was a pledge class president, which caused me more issues than it was probably worth. Yeah. Um, so I was there for my first year. At the end of my first year, I, I knew I wanted to be at Ohio State. But to Joe's dismay, I was <laughs> I transferred to Ohio State, uh, still not even thinking that I was going to end up in, in, in corrugated. I didn't know what I was going to do. So when I got to Ohio State, I, I got into broadcasting. I wanted to do some sort of sports broadcasting or something like that. So I, I got an internship at a CBS affiliate in Columbus, started producing the sports or helping produce the sports, and did that for about a year. I had a, a heart-to-heart with the sports anchor, and he said, with your lack of experience, you're probably going to start in Lima, Ohio, making $20,000 a year. Yeah. So... That was the end of that dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, for, right, right after that conversation, I knew I, I was moving on from there. There's hope for you to host a podcast for free, <laughs> asking for a friend. All right, perfect. <laughs> so I changed majors, uh, went into political science, and w- with that major, I don't think anybody knows what they want to do. Uh, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to graduate and then figure things out from there. So I took all my classes, got everything done in political science. Near the end of my last year, uh, with the urging of who's now my wife, who was then my girlfriend, she made me take more and more classes so I could get done with college. So I wasn't there for the rest of my life. So near graduation, I'm applying for jobs and I'm, I have interviews in Columbus and I really wanted to stay in Columbus. Great city, young city, thriving. I had a conversation with my dad and he said, why don't you come back and work at the company? And I said, well, what am I going to do there? And he said, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but we'll figure it out. So I said... Okay. Went back and talked to Julie and she wasn't thrilled with moving to Cleveland. So the only thing she knew of Cleveland was a few visits we had there with snow and she wasn't a huge fan. All in all, we ended up moving back to Cleveland. I started with the company about a month after I graduated from college and started in in the office in customer service and really had no clue what I was doing. Um, Never was in anything like that. Even when I was there for the summers, I was in the plants. Everything was new for me. Worked in customer service for about a year. I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> Finally, I got into a sales type role, sales service more. I would say our main sales guy, our sales manager, handled most of the big accounts. So he started having me see some of those accounts. Was and, it driven by you? Were you on your dad saying, you got to get me out of this office? Or did the sales manager say, hey, why don't we? I think it was a little of both. Yeah. I think he was tired of seeing me in the office. I think he probably wanted a little bit of relief from what he was doing. Yeah. And I think the sense was that I was bored, but I was still trying to make an impression on the people that were there. This was a, this was an aging company. We had, most of our employees were in their fifties, had been there since I was coming in there when I was eight years old. So this is now 15 years later, 
and still the same group of people. So I got out on the road, started doing some sales and started learning some stuff from there. And that's when I really felt like my career started to progress and turn. Can you, how difficult was it for you to kind of transition into the company? Because, you know, a few minutes ago, you said you were kind of the punk kid that was ripping up all the copy paper and making their lives miserable to now coming in and trying to make a name for yourself. Was that a tough, tough thing to deal with? I think it was. I think it was. Because I, I think with any family business, when the next generation is coming in, there's definitely some worry by the people who are working there as what's he coming in to do? Is he coming in to take my job? Yeah. And so I don't really think anybody wanted to show me anything. Yeah. And obviously that's not what I was there to do. I didn't know if I was going to be with the company longer than a year. And what did you do? Is there something you did at the time to maybe earn their trust or get their respect? I think the work ethic that I came with and the way I went about my daily routine eventually gained the trust of everybody in the office. And I think that's another place where things started to turn a little bit. After that, I had been at Sobel about nine years and thought that I needed something else, something more, some more capabilities, some more opportunities to do things. And Jamestown represented that. I had a conversation with a couple of the upper management folks there, Joe and Larry Hudson, and decided that was the right place for me to go. Jamestown was founded in 1956. So we are an independently owned manufacturer of corrugated products. We have six locations, including four manufacturing locations that span from Northwest New York through Northeast Ohio. We manufacture anything from plain brown box to four color flexo print displays. We also have an ownership stake in Niagara Sheets, as well as the Green Pack Mill in Niagara Falls, New York. In addition to corrugated, we also have foam converting capabilities, as well as contract packaging services. So I went there in February of 12, and EL came in play in, for me, April of 15. Maybe you gloss over the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. you just left your dad's your family company. business <laughs> as third generation. How did that go? So it, it didn't go over as poorly as you would think. Yeah. Hmm. Especially with him. Uh, I think he understood that I'm, at this point, 32 years old. And I have 35 more years to work. Uh, so you had probably roughly 10 years at you, you were at the company. Correct. And you are full-time sales? At that point, I was full-time sales and I was actually running the sales department. Wow. I was ordering sheets because we had converted the plant from a corrugator to, to a sheet plant. Okay. Um, so I was involved in that, plant scheduling. So I did so a little bit. So you were in five hats. Did a little bit of everything, yep. And at the same time, you alluded this aging business. There's not enough capabilities to service your customer base. Is that what the impetus that correct? Yeah, yeah. that that's when I thought it was time to to start to move to move on and and progress my career when when I didn't think that I didn't know what the future gotcha. held. Did you have did you speak to your father prior to any discussions with any other companies or circle back to that after you initial discussion with with someone? I circled back. Yeah. I had started that process a little bit before. Yeah. And, and then circle back to that conversation. Was that a challenge for you? I guess I'm following up on the same question. Just you internally, personally, to make that step to go speak to somebody uh, outside of the, the family business. Yeah. Yeah, that was difficult. Because yeah. I didn't know what then the future would hold. If I left the company and went to a new company and that failed, how does that look yeah. on me, on my career, on the company, on, on the new company? So I think there was a lot of pressure in that early transition to Jamestown and how it was going to work out. I can imagine. It couldn't have been easy, but you're also, like you said, you're looking at your path, especially wearing five or six hats. Correct, yeah. And the 30 plus years that I knew I still had to work. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. 
2015, you get involved in Emerging Leader. I think we met around that same time at an Emerging Leader meeting in Fort Worth. Explain what drove you into that, who drove you into that program, and your early days in that program. So I think when Mark Mathis came with the idea uh, of Emerging Leaders, Joe Palmieri is extremely supportive of everything AICC does. And so he thought, him and, and Larry Hudson, our VP of sales, thought that it was probably a good time to get some young people uh, involved in the organization. And obviously the face for AICC of Jamestown was always Joe and his father, but it was time to get some more people involved. And I think they thought this was a good time. So when that first group came out, Larry Hudson asked me if I was interested. And of course, I said yes. I had never been to an AICC meeting, didn't really know what AICC was other than what Joe told me. But doing some research, I thought it was certainly something I'd be interested in doing. And so filled out the application, sent it in, and went to that first meeting in Naples in April of 15. Kind of your first couple of meetings with the EO group. I know they're bringing in these groups and they're talking, hey, let's do some learning time. Let's do some social time, some networking time. How did you find the first kind of sets of interactions and what did you feel like was the takeaways for either one of you from those initial meetings? Coming off of, like I had said, that first meeting where sure. I didn't know anybody, going to an emerging leader setup was so much better. We all were a group of young professionals together and everyone was different, but at their same stages in their career. And so it was nice because you just had a much more relaxed environment to get to know people, to get to talk and meet some new people. And then when you did go to the opening reception, you're like, hey, I know you. It just made sure. it a, a lot nicer for the industry events as a whole. But with Emerging Leaders, one of the most impactful things for me in the beginning was, I don't remember which meeting it was at, but it was within the first year. They had a women's forum and it was just really insightful. They had a panel of, I think it was five or six women in the industry and just listening to their stories. And it was very cool to see because that was something that was a bit more unique and uh, it stuck with me. So I was like, okay, I, I want to do that. I want to be that person for people eventually. It's great. Josh, how about you? My first meeting in the Emerging Leaders, it, 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 it seemed like it was a lot of trial and error with the group. They were trying stuff to see what stuck. They did a great job of moving on from things that maybe didn't get a good response and sticking with those things that did get a good response. And like Cassie said, it definitely eased the pain of going into a big group and not knowing anybody when at least you had 40 or 50 people close to your age that you could rely on and talk to. Yeah. I think if I look back on those first couple of years before Cassie's time in the program, it was, the idea was fantastic. It was great. We were getting together and meeting like-minded people who maybe were second or third generation uh, owners themselves or in respective positions together and going through the same stages of life. They tried to put educational programming out there. And I think to your point on the trial and error, it would be like they'd, they'd, they'd have the social night till 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. and then back it up with an educational forum at 7 a.m. the next morning and you'd show up to that with four or five other people <laughs> and, and nobody else around. Yeah. So I think there were definitely uh, trial and error in those early years on, to your point. Yeah, and I think, like you said, four or five people would be at the trainings. I think that's why early on in, in the Emerging Leaders Group, it got the rap that it was more of a social club yeah. than it was a training tool. And when did that change? I think that changed probably three or four years into the group when, when you started getting more engagement and the group started turning over a little bit and the new people started coming in. And then all they saw was the new part of things and didn't see the original 
training sessions with four people there. <laughs> uh, so I think that's when it started to get more serious for a lot of people. Yeah, I think like anything else, the ev evolution and the pivots from where it is today is a stark difference. And I think that that has proven to be impactful uh, along the way. So it's interesting to hear you say it took some time to get the runway out and get things rolling. Yeah, I think even when I had taken a part in Emerging Leaders in the beginning, it was still heavily referred to when you told people that you were in it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's just where you guys go out every night, right? Yeah. And that was something that I was like, no, yes, that's part of it, of course. But <laughs> it's a lot of trainings and good things that you're learning, too. So that was something as time went on that Daniel, Brett Schneider, and I, when we did eventually take over as delegates, that was something that we really wanted to change. So I think that what then began to shift was from an AICC board of directors perspective, we began to assign seats to emerging leader delegates. And that's really when presentations with respect to content and suggestions, there was a lot of surveys going on with the group members to really say, how can we improve? How can we continue to provide value? We started to see a little bit of a pivot away from more of this, the social aspects of things into, into some new opportunities. Maybe you could talk about the vice chairman's trips or some of the things that, that evolved along the way. Originally, it was a chairman's trip. So one of the first chairman's trips that I went to was actually in Cleveland. Jamestown was the host. We went on a tour of Jamestown Container, and I think there was three different plant tours. We also saw Tavins Packaging with Mike Schaefer, then had some networking events that night. We were at one of the games. But Josh, you could speak more to that probably because that was right around the time that you were delegate, I believe, or just had taken yeah, that over. Was, I think that was my second year as delegate. I actually served an extra year because Terry Lynn transitioned into a new role. But yeah, that chairman's trip with Joe, we, did, we toured Jamestown, we toured Tavins. Mysteriously, the power went on at Jamestown. Yes, I remember <laughs> and, that. And we still joke with Joe about that. That 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 couldn't have been planned. Could yeah. It, right? yeah. And then we went to an Indians game that night. But I think those chairman's trips are a fantastic tool for emerging leaders to get together on their own and not have the interruption of everybody else at the meeting. So it's 40 emerging leaders, typically no spouses at these meetings. And it's a great time to to do a training, to do the social activity, and to spend a few days together. Yeah, I think this most recent trip, the ELs went to Packaging Express, Matt Davis's plant, and and I think there was they wound up with a waiting list. They were oversold, so it's really the program continues to evolve, and it really is it's attributable to folks like Cassie and Josh who go from membership in EL to delegate of EL and have a voice at the table, so that we can continue to enhance the offering, both educationally and practically into what emerging leaders get to experience. Yeah, I think if you look back through the, the names of people that have come through the program who have since graduated ELs that are now in leadership positions at their company, the Sahars of the world, the Casey Shaws you've already mentioned, the list goes on and on. But take us back to when you first got into that program. Describe yourself, Cassie and Josh, as what kind of leader were you at that time? What did you go into that meeting, those meetings, hoping to learn? And how did you come out of those meetings? And your leadership style, how, how did it change throughout that time? I would say that in that time, I had just started in customer service a few years before. So I was trying to be a leader however I could in my role with the team. And then going to those meetings just helped expand my thinking. So there was a lot of good leadership skills that they would talk through. 
But more importantly, it was just hearing what other people were doing and how they were interacting with their teams and also how they were going ahead and trying to progress their careers. So a lot of it is just picking up and having a conversation, not being afraid to ask questions and not being afraid to say, hey, can I grab coffee with you and learn a little bit more about the business? That was always what came out of these types of meetings, not being afraid to try to learn more about your company and put the CEO hat on essentially in whatever role that you had. So I think that was really beneficial. And out of those meetings, I just always came back so much more energized and more confident. I can't wait to go and put all these into practice. And it was fun because it kept you engaged. That was always the big thing for me. As I mentioned earlier, I get bored very easily. So the big thing was always like, okay, we're going to do whatever we can to stay engaged. And my company was really supportive of that. What If you look back on it, what percentage would you say were non-family member emerging leaders versus family member? Oh, that's a good one. Very, it was definitely, I would say probably 70-30 at the time when I started. I would say now there's a lot more that are non-family. That's always something that I found to be a bit unique and a bit more of a struggle. All the surveys that I would fill out, I would always say, hey, let's learn more about customer service, of course. And then also, how do you navigate a a family business as a non-family member. Uh, I'm grateful because my company treats us all like family, but it's still just how do you progress? How can you get to that next level? And, you know, sometimes with emerging leaders in the beginning, I didn't have many people to rely on for that. So as we got through it and years went on, it was nice to have some others that were going through the same thing. Sure. That's great. I agree. Early on, I think when I first came into the group, it was probably around what what Cassie's saying, 70, 30, maybe even more than that as far as family members to non-family members. And I think of the struggle of finding topics early on in the group was because a lot of people wanted that topic on how to navigate a family business. We saw a lot of those topics and then had to find other topics to transition to keep the non-family people engaged in the group. But coming in, going back to your earlier question, coming into the group, I was raw as a leader. I think my leadership needed a lot of help I had led at at my first company, uh, but it was a small company, and I wasn't leading many people. And the people I was leading were already set in their ways and had been in the industry 100 years. Much of what I said probably was going in one ear, out the other anyways. So I think what the EL program did there for me was taught me how to be more engaged, got me out of my comfort zone. And I'll say the, the first meeting, one of the opportunities was to write an article for BoxScore, one of the publications. And I volunteered that first meeting and didn't know what I got myself into. <laughs> I hated writing in high school. I hated writing in college. So then writing an article for Box Score seemed like a bad idea after I volunteered for it. But <laughs> I did it. I got through it and got me out of my comfort zone. And I think that was that's one of the big things that I think the EL program did. But AICC as a whole, I think, does a good job of that. No one's comfortable walking into a group of, or very few people are, of walking into a group of 700 people or 600 people and finding their way. But you have to, to succeed in the organization. And, and I think a lot of people end up doing it. Yeah. Explain uh, maybe back in those early days who you guys looked to as leaders in the industry and maybe what you might have learned from them. So for me, I, I looked to leaders at, J- at Jamestown mostly. And that was Joe Palmieri and, and Larry Hudson were the two main people that, that I was fortunate enough to be able to shadow. And Joe's dad, Joe Sr., is legendary in the industry from the the independent side of things. So being around that after being around my grandfather's business for a long time, 
just continued to teach me different things about the business. And, and so I was fortunate to have those two people who were very well respected be an example for me. Mm, nice. And for myself, I would say early on, similar, it was very much in corrugated supplies. I had Sean who was always pushing me to think more outside of the box and things like that. But also we had John Jr. and John Sr. who were really big visionaries in the industry. So it was always interesting to hear their perspective, hear how they're thinking through things. But then once I actually got more immersed in the industry, I would say Jana Harris, I consider a really big mentor and somebody that I look up to because she's a really strong woman in the industry and has really grown. Listening to her story has been more inspirational because it's just, hey, she started out in customer service and kind of experienced a bit of everything and you know, went through the ranks. And then Jean's also somebody that I... No, don't do this. Yeah, I don't know. Do I know it's the worst, late. right? Too late. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Joe. You too. <laughs> it's not what I'm hoping for there, but you have no idea what you yeah, used to his do Yeah, his ego is... I can see it. It's ballooning right now. <laughs> but he is somebody that's also non-family that's worked his way up. And that's a story that I'm very interested in. And he's given great suggestions for just how to move forward to ask questions and always come prepared with what you want to learn more about because we don't want to waste any time, essentially. You just think back on, on 10 years of the program and how the, with the structure of AICC the way it is, the board, a group of volunteers all the way up through chairmanship and then past chairman are there to help try to guide the association with the greater good in mind. And you look at in, in 10 years of emerging leaders, Josh, Casey Shaw, Sahar, you, Joe, Terry Lynn Levesque, all serving in various board roles, and Terry Lynn will be a, a, a chairman soon enough. So it, it's really, it's interesting to me because I think back to when Josh is, I think his last year, he did that extra year as the senior delegate, just again, these the feedback and the flow of information coming from the young talent in this emerging leaders group up to the board to say, these are the things we, we require, we need in order to improve our skills, our capabilities, our knowledge. And it, it, it's really made a, a significant impact in what gets offered uh, by the association to not only the emerging leaders, but to the greater membership as a whole. I've watched this this grassroots program that Mark wanted to create and provide more structure within really pay significant dividends. Yeah, we had incredible people that really set up the Emerging Leaders Program for Success. You named the majority of them. And the good thing about all of them is that they never left it, essentially. They were always giving back to the program and making sure that those that were newbies were coming in and feeling welcomed and feeling like they knew what was in front of them. Once I decided to run for delegate, which I ran with no one, so that is why I won. But I'm glad that I did. It was a really On great a feat. Always yep. a great way to run. I was like, hello, I am here. But once Daniel had convinced me to run for delegate and we took on that role together, we were really excited to revamp the program in a way because there was so much knowledge ahead of us, but there was never that structure and continuity to continue it on. So each time a delegate came in, they were starting from scratch. So we had a lot of fun adding some structure to it. So all of these ideas from the delegates before us and the emerging leaders as a whole could actually be harnessed. And then it's just a moving ship then. You created this presentation that was overwhelmingly supported by Sean, John Jr. and, and John Sr. What messaging do you send to podcast listeners who 
have to weigh, can I spend the, the two grand to, to send an entry level or maybe a, a, a first level manager to AICC for three, four days? I mean, how do, what, what's, the, what's the offering? What's the payback? What, what is it that you were able to convey to sell yeah. ownership? In the beginning, it was more so for to prove that it was worth it. A lot of times I still am like, I want to make sure that hiring me was worth it. Picking me up from the dome was a worth it thing. But I just would put on what I learned from seminars, things like that. But as it has grown, I do that just for my own benefit now. So that way I know, okay, what am I taking out of this? And some of the key factors are the connections that you make. Truthfully, that just building genuine relationships with people, I think, is the biggest because you never know when you're going to have to lean on them for to share best practices. I think that's probably the most beneficial thing that I've gotten from being more involved with it and that I can take back and say, hey, this is why it's worth it. The other thing is, especially for young people as we're trying to get them involved in the industry now, it makes them feel just like a sense of, hey, my company believes in me. They think that I'm worth it to go to these events, to, to represent the company at these events. And that does a lot for people, at least in my experience. I think that it sends them back more engaged and excited to start working on new projects and coming up with new ideas. And after seeing how other people are doing it in the industry and hearing stories, you, your mind just starts going and you're all brainstorming. And it's just fun to come back and be like, all right, let's try some of these things. Some of them are complete failures and others are really good ideas that last. That's great. I think the the rise of a lot of the emerging leaders to board level positions and up through the AICC says a lot about the viability of the program. I, th I think there's eight emerging leaders or seven emerging leaders on the board, right? Former emerging leaders on yes. the board right now. And for business owners that are coming to a AICC meeting, an everyday meeting, to see that six, seven, eight people started in this EL group and now are among the leaders of the association is huge. And you should tell business owners everything they need to know about whether the program's worth it and whether it's worth a couple thousand dollar investment. Yeah. Can you step outside of the Emerging Leader Program for a minute and just, can you guys talk maybe or suggest, what would you recommend to other young professionals getting into a business? What, how do you rise through a company? How do you make a name for yourself? And what would you suggest to them? So for me, I, th I think it's similar as the EL program, be engaged be engaging, have a goal in mind, outwork your competitors, outwork everybody else, and stay focused. And if you do that, I think you're, I think you're going to be successful, whether it's in business or whether it's in everyday life. That's great. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think the initiative is a huge thing. Just take the initiative, whatever that means to you, whether it be to take on extra projects, whether it be to go up and talk to someone that you know, you're not familiar with, that's not in your realm or in your scope of work. I think building genuine relationships is a huge thing as well, because if you can learn more about your company and about the different departments and just build relationships with those people, that's how you're going to be able to get things done and also just learn more and succeed. So I'm going to flip it around uh, because you also have an audience. So what can owners, what can operators be providing to their younger talent? that we need to be mindful of. If you think back to five, six years ago in your roles or even today, like what, what is, what are you desirous of from leadership? I think sharing the vision is huge. I think making people feel part of something that's bigger, that gets everybody engaged and keeps them working toward the same goal. And then I also think no matter what level, no matter what position they're in, just again, human connection. So that way, 
if somebody comes to you and they're new, let them ask your questions. Give them the time of day. Give them 15 minutes because it means so much to them where it probably seems like nothing to you, but it really makes an impact to them. So for me, I would probably say training, as much training as anybody could possibly handle is key. Knowledge. As a business owner, you obviously have the most knowledge. As an operator, you have the most knowledge in the company, more than more so than anybody else. So if someone comes to you and asks a question, be willing to share. Have an open door policy. Be Just like I said, for, for a young person to be engaged and engaging, that's the same true on the other side. That's great. Be engaged and engaging with your young people. I ask this question selfishly, and I know we have a lot of younger people in the industry coming through with young families. Both of you guys have young families, and you're both becoming leaders or already become a leader in your company. Like, How do you balance the two as you pursue your ultimate goal? So I, I would say balance is a big thing. I'm, I, I work as many hours as I possibly can while being able to coach my kids through 90 baseball games a summer. I, I have somehow figured out a way to create that balance, and you, you just got to find a way to do it. You got to find a way to fit everything in. At some point, there's time for rest and relaxation, but now at 40-some years old, that's not the, that's not the time. <laughs> that's good. Similar balance is something that you're always striving for, right? I just had a baby back in April, so I've got two little ones, a five-year-old and a four-and-a-half-month-old. And I think Josh is right. Right now is not the time for rest and relaxation <laughs> by any means, but I do think so much of it comes from support. So support all around. My husband is a huge supporter and is always pushing me to go and do all these opportunities. We split things very equally. My parents, my mom and dad, and his mom and dad help watch our kids, which make things very easy too. My mom especially just pushes me to always say, hey, make sure you stay working. Make sure that this is good for you. So just find ways to keep doing it. And then also the professional support as well. So having a company that really does value your family and your life outside of work, which I'm lucky that I work for one that does because you can balance it more than when things are, what priorities need to shift based on what's going on. That's great. That's great. This has been wonderful. I think we can encourage the young leaders, potential leaders, future leaders enough to find out more about emerging leaders at AICCbox.org. Put some information in front of your ownership or your boss, your manager, and and engage and be engaging. I think we talk about that a lot as well at the board level of AICC. So it's a vital uh, vital piece to the puzzle. But really appreciate you both participating. And hopefully you'll be there celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the EL program and can appreciate its evolution that you've had. You put your fingerprints on. So thank you for that contribution as well. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. The Emerging Leaders Program is so much fun, so I highly encourage anybody to join it if you're on the fence. Thank you. Thank you both. Breaking Down Boxes. New shows will drop the first Monday of every month. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.